Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless, and enjoy this week's message. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 7 and 24. Matthew chapter 7 and 24. We are in a sermon series called Things Jesus Said. Things Jesus Said. And uh, as I read the text, it will kind of make sense, like, why the title of this uh, sermon series is Things Jesus Said. Uh, But we'll read, and then we'll kind of unpack it, and we'll do a little review, and then we'll send you on your way out into the summer heat, all right? Matthew chapter 7 and 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, everybody say practice, everybody say practice makes perfect, he's like a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash, a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying, here we go, these things... The crowds were amazed at his teaching. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed. They were gazing. But the question is, did they put it into practice? And that will always be the question. Amen? So here we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to open our hearts, prepare our hearts for his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. Every time we look into your word, we're changed. Let the word of God fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. And we ask this in Jesus' name and the church. Say amen. amen. All right. So we're looking at the end of a sermon, right? The end of the sermon is always like got to be the best part. And this is Jesus' like, it's the hook at the end. He's like, the best preacher of all time is preaching the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. So we're at Matthew chapter 7. We're at the end of Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus is wrapping up his sermon by basically saying, everything I just taught you, if you'll hear it and you'll practice it, your life will stand. You'll be unshakable. You'll be unmovable. Storms are going to come. They come to everybody. There's going to be pressure. From the top, from the bottom, rain coming down, floods coming up, wind coming from the side. That's life. Stuff is going to happen. But we are not just going to experience it. We're going to thrive through it. Because we're built on the right stuff. And this whole message in review is basically this. That Jesus was not saying the issue is information. The issue is not today that you are not well-informed. In fact, we as believers today are way more well-informed than probably the believers in the first century. We have access to, to books and Bibles, and, and uh, we, we have dictionaries if we don't understand what a word means, and, and, and thesauruses, and we have, we have so many ways to study and to learn and to grow. And as we talked about last week, 
We don't have an information problem. We have too much information. We have enough information to last us a long time. In fact, there's a stress and an anxiety on our culture today because of all the information that we don't know what to do with. We get information. We get connected to it emotionally. And guess what? There's no action because we can't do anything. We can't do anything about what's happening over in Syria. We can't do anything about what happened between those people in Hollywood and this and that. We, what, what do we do? And so we get emotionally connected. We don't know what to do. All these things and information that can get to you in so many different ways. And so what they've said is now, uh, Neil Postman says this. He says, we have a high information, low action ratio that's happening in our world today. People are going, I don't know what to do. I know that there's something wrong, and now there's this anxiety that exists among our entire world. We're anxious. We don't know what to do. And Jesus is dealing with this very subject in his Sermon on the Mount that we live in a broken world. And if you build your life on sand, which is just broken pieces of rock, if you build your life on the brokenness and in the brokenness of this world, and you're not anchored to the rock, then when the storms come, the trajectory of your life, there will be a day where everything and how you've built will be tested. And our prayer for you is that when that day comes, you'll be standing. That there's not, it's not just having a good life. It's about having a life that is anchored to something that lasts. Anchored to Christ. He is the rock, right? And for some of us who we've had our house blown down Come on, and we're back down to square one, and we're like, what are we going to do? Can I tell you, the rock is still there. You may have to do a little bit of digging, but he's there, right? Jesus is still there. Even in your mess and mayhem, he's there. The rock is not going to move. He is waiting for you to unearth all of his promises and anchor your life to him. I love what the psalmist said. He says, I go to the rock that is higher than I. Not that the rock is up, the rock is down, but what he's saying is this is the high calling to anchor your life deep into the things of Jesus Christ. And some of you, there's a storm around the bend, and you've been called to make it through that storm. You've been called to persevere through that storm. Why? Because your life is anchored to something bigger than yourself. Amen. Amen. We're going to live a fruitful life of legacy and longevity anchored to something bigger than ourselves. You've seen it. I've seen it. We've seen people's lives fall to shambles. We've seen uh, the stories in the tabloids, the Weinsteins and the Madoffs and the, 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 these big debacles, and we, and we see it. And, and maybe you've seen it in your own family. Maybe not on that, that scale, Right? But you've seen the debacle of people's lives by making a choice and making decisions and trying to build a life. And sometimes we look at people and we go, wow, they're so far ahead. Man, look what they're doing, right? You look at their life and you go, man, their, their house is going up way quicker than my house, right? But some people are skipping the first step, right? And so we compare ourselves among ourselves. The Bible says we are unwise, so the key is, is we've got to get reconnected to the rock, okay? We've got to get reconnected to the things that matter. That's the, first, that's the starting point of building a life that will weather the storm, okay? So I want you to see this. I want you to see that a decision in your past of how to build and what to build on can and will affect the outcome of your future. This unwise man, this foolish man, was going to succumb to a reality 
not based on the day of the storm, but based on a decision and how he built way before the storm ever came. That's how important a decision is. That's how important it is to measure your life, to look at your life and say, what am I built on? Am I built on the values and the principles? Am I, am I bringing application of God's word? Or am I going to church and we're doing kumbaya and I'm, I'm loving what I feel and I've got goosebumps and it's so fun and it, to, to go to church and, oh, man, it's fist bumping everybody, you know. Turn and shake your hand, the neighbor of your hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, here we go, high five, fist bump. Man, that's just so wonderful. Leave and no application. Or is there something in us that's willing to dig a little deeper to anchor to something a little bit stronger? And that's the question, because our heart for you is that when that storm comes, you know in whom you have believed, and the application of what Jesus taught will be the cornerstone of your life, and you will be anchored. I was in a, a wedding, I was at a, at a wedding this weekend, I was at the rehearsal on Friday, and I was uh, at the wedding, part of the wedding, got to be a part of the wedding on Saturday, and it was in Napa, and uh, I, had, I hadn't driven um, up Mark's West Spring Road uh, since the fires. And as I was, I was going that way, I was like, wow, I, this was like more than I could handle. It was so much. It was crazy. But I started seeing homes getting rebuilt, right? And probably about 90% of the homes right now are in the phase of the foundation, pouring a foundation. And, 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 and builders will tell you, never underestimate the power of a foundation. Like getting the foundation is, is so important. Even, even squaring it up, Right? Because if, if the foundation's off, everything's off. And we can try to, we can try to you know, uh, do the cosmetics, and we can try to fix it later. And, you know, there's that old saying in building, uh, uh, tape and paint makes a carpenter what he ain't. Have you heard that before? You know, you're just hoping it all stays up, right? Uh, but the foundation, like, like there's even like something in our city right now where it's like back to the foundations, getting back to what is important to us. What's the values? What's the core value of my life, my family, my legacy that I'm building as a person, the life that I'm building? Uh, what, 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 what is the foundation of? What is it resting on? Is it resting on the, the whimsical, uh, whimsical wishes of the world or is it planted in something that will outlast me? And I want to tell maybe someone here who you, you look at your life and you go, man, Pastor, I came in today, and it's like the house is gone. Like, like I went through the storm, and now I'm down back on the ground, and is there any hope for me? I want to tell you, there is hope today. And I was reminded uh, yesterday as I was kind of praying and meditating on this, I was reminded of the story of the lady who was caught in the very act of adultery, right? And she was thrown at the feet of Jesus. First question is, where's the dude? How did he get out of that scenario? They bring the girl, throw, him at, uh, throw her at the feet of Jesus, and, and, and basically say, Jesus, um, the law says that she should be stoned. And they were absolutely right. The law says she should be stoned. They were quoting scripture. Very good. You know your Bible. But what they didn't realize was they brought her to the higher law. You see, if you go back to the Ark of the Covenant, in the Ark of the Covenant was the law. The tablets were there, but above it was the mercy seat, the mercy seat. It doesn't mean we get away with sin. What it means is when we go to rock bottom and we fail and we mess up, Jesus said, hey, let he who has no sin cast the first stone. And while they're thinking about it, he's doodling in the sand. Who knows what he was writing? And one by one they left from the oldest to the youngest. And then he looks and goes, where's your accusers? I don't know, Lord. 
neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. See, they brought her not to the law, but to the higher law. They appealed to the supreme law. See, when you go to court, you can appeal to a higher court if you don't like the verdict. And they didn't realize that they were appealing to the highest court. And the highest court will always be God's grace and his mercy for your life. So I've come to tell somebody, if you are in shambles and your life is broken down, this is the greatest moment to dig a little bit and get back to the rock and build your life. God has a plan for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you to do good, not evil. There's a plan for your life. Anchor to that rock. Anchor to that rock. And so as we look at this story, a couple things are, are seen. Number one, the storms are inevitable. You will go through a storm. Storms do not mean that you are, there's something wrong with you, that there's something wrong with your faith. It rains on the just and the unjust. So everyone in this room, you're going to have a moment where the pressure's on. It's coming. And when it comes, he says it was rain it was floods and it was wind. It's coming from every direction. Have you ever noticed when it, when it comes, it seems like it comes from every direction. It hits you in every area, right? It's a stress test. Is this thing going to hold up? And God's plan is for you to be able to hold up. The second thing is a decision today is going to affect me in the future. We make decisions now and we can, we can shortcut it and say, you know what? Let's shortcut this, and let's just start building anywhere. I like this little spot right here. Let's just build it right on the sand. And we shortcut things, and we don't do it right. We don't dig, and we don't get to the heart of the matter, and we don't let the true work of, of the Sermon on the Mount get into our heart and into the practice. And then what happens is there's a shaking, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we don't want this outcome for you. I don't want this outcome for my home. I don't want this outcome for my children. So sometimes before we go up, we got to go down. And like I said last week, you cannot build a skyscraper with a chicken coop foundation. And God wants you to build a great life, a big life, a life full of many rooms and opportunities and experiences with blessing. But you got to go down before you go up. you got to find the bedrock of your life and get anchored to it. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these thoughts and we're going to look back at the sermon a little bit. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you to do some homework. How many loves the word homework? Isn't that just a great word? Welcome back to school. Everybody wants to go to Sunday school. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you this week to read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Okay? This is a Bible-believing church, right? We believe the Bible. Pretty important. For, for his word is really, it's, it's a big deal, right? Even to God. He said, my word is above my name, right? His word is a big deal. We love, love his word. Um, I want you to read this because we want to practice, we want to practice what Jesus taught us. This is, a, this is important because as we look into this, I'm going to kind of tiptoe through a little bit of this. I want to just kind of shed some light on how to apply things in this sermon. Greatest preacher, greatest sermon he ever preached. He says, if you practice these things that I just taught you, then guess what? You'll be rock solid. So let's, let's look at what he talked about. A couple things. Number one, he starts off his sermon with this word, makarios. Makarios. It simply means be happy. To be happy. It's a blessing. It's a happiness. So he, he starts with what makes you happy? What, what is the source of your happiness? And a lot of people will say, it's my, if I can get a raise, I'll be happy. If I can get some stuff, I'll be happy. If I have the right people in my life, I'll be happy. 
And what Jesus is showing us here is, he says, the poor in spirit, they're going to be happy. Those who are meek, they'll be happy. Merciful, be happy. Pure in heart, happy. Peacemakers, happy. You're going, wait, wait, I didn't see Ferrari in there anywhere. I, I didn't see uh, luxury, lu- you know, luxury vacation. I didn't see the stuff that everyone thinks, like, this would make me happy. What's the deal here? What Jesus is doing is he's getting to the grassroots of what do you value? And, and is it external things that you're looking to bring gratification in your life? Because if that's the thing, you're going to chase this mirage over and over and over. And every time you either catch it or you think you're going to catch it, when you finally get there, there's nothing there. You're going to get there and go, this is not even a destination. This is all just smoke and mirrors. This is, the, 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 this is a, a trick. And everyone's chasing something. They don't even know what they're chasing. And Jesus says, you can be poor. You can mourn. You can be meek. You can be merciful, pure of heart, peacemaker. You, it's not about externals. It's about internals. We choose happiness. We choose Macarius. We choose joy. Some of the values of this house, we love God, love people, seek excellence, and we choose to be joyful. We choose joyful. Right? Like that's the thing we've got to choose. It's not based on what I have or don't have. Can I tell you, there's happy poor people, and there's happy rich people. There's miserable poor people, and there's miserable rich people. It's not stuff. You ever go on an overseas trip, I'll tell you this, you're going to find some of the happiest people, and they have virtually nothing. Stuff does not make you happy. Things will not make you happy. Jesus is saying, it, it, it's living inside of you. you got to carry that. And then he goes right into the next point, and this is super important. He goes, why? Because you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. He's like, he's like the whole purpose of this, this passion and this contentment and this life that I'm, I'm giving you. You're not chasing the stuff that a broken world's chasing. It's because I'm making you something that's going to stand out. You're going to be light. You're going to illuminate the room. You're going to walk in, and there's going to be something different in the atmosphere. You're going to create a, a taste and a hunger and a thirst in people's mouth because they're like, you're salty. That doesn't mean you assault people. That means you're salty. And salty is not the same as churchy. You know what churchy is? I know that's a, I, I hate to make that a pejorative, but it's, churchy is one of those things where it's like, like, like we put on a pretend like kumbaya, everything's good, big old Bible, got all of our little notes here, and, then, and we're like, hey, I, I got it all together. And we change our voice, and we change the way we talk, and we go up there, we go outside of the church, and we're like someone totally different. You ever seen that before? It's like, why are, you, why are you talking like that? Like, I hope the way I talk here is the same way I talk out there or out there. You know what I mean? Like, hey, hey, man. Like, it's a praise the Lord. I'm being churchy right now. You know what I'm saying? So, so Jesus is talking about being authentic. He's talking about being salt and light. He's talking about a broken world, broken lives, broken promises, and yet there's going to be a people who are whole, people who are standing in the middle of the storm, and they're going to be like a light. They're going to be like a city on a hill. They're going to be the bearings for someone. They're going, what is that? Why are they always so full of joy? Why are, you know, all through it, they kept a good attitude. They kept a good spirit. This is what his whole sermon is bringing us into this idea, how to be whole in a broken world. How many want that? That's not like a good deal. Like, thank you, Jesus. Because he knew our world would be broken, broken people, 
broken families, broken lives. It's all around us. So what's the greatest thing we can do? The, the first and greatest thing we can do is anchor our lives to something so others will be able to share in our strength and then know where to anchor their lives. So then as we go into this, this teaching, and again, I'm not going to take long, but I want you to, I'm going to kind of unpack a few of his teachings. I want you to see kind of how Jesus does this. Now, there's a misnomer about God, and the misnomer is this, is that the Old Testament God is like the mean, cranky God who's like always upset about something. He's always mad. And then the New Testament, you know, Jesus steps on the scene, and he's cooler, right? He's got Justin Bieber glasses on, skinny jeans, a little more metro, a little more hip. He's like, hey, man, peace and love. A little hippie in him, you know what I mean? He's like, peace and love. And people are like, I love the New Testament uh, God, but I, the Old Testament, he's like, he's had a bad several couple thousand years, right? As people will see it. But when you really look at Jesus' teachings, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't dumb it down. And no time does Jesus, like, make it, like, hey, listen, we're going to drop some of the rules. He actually turns the dial up. And I want to I read this to you. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and 38. He says this. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, okay, so what he's asked us to do is to... Put this into a practical application and practice this. Okay, let's just, plant, let's just walk this out. She's so like, hey, man, what's going on? Hey, man. And a guy, someone walks up to you and just goes, I'm going to slap you right now. <laughs> what do you do? Now, I know what I would do. The prefrontal cortex in my brain shuts down. The limbic system is ignited. And now Kung Fu Panda has stepped in to finish the job. Roundhouse, wax on, wax off your face, and then maybe the crane from Karate Kid. That's what's about to go down. You just slapped me in the face, right? Like that's what, you just slapped me, you just slapped me in the face. And Mr. Miyagi said about the crane, if done right, no can defend. One of the greatest lines ever. So we trust it. Anyways, right? Like that's the, the natural response is like, dude, you just slapped me in the face. You know what I mean? Like you're going to go like straight for the throat. You're out. See you tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, ka You know, that's how it would feel. Jesus says, um, I tell you, uh, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. Now, does that sound exciting to anybody? Is this like, hey, Jesus, are you wanting me to have like a disfigured face from like, it's all swollen from getting beat up? Is that, is that the message here? And what Jesus is ultimately saying, if we keep going, if anyone wants to sue you, with your, take your shirt, give them your coat as well. And not like the old one with the holes in it from the moths. Like, give them your, give them your coat. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go with them two miles and give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants you to, to borrow from you. So here's, what he's, here, here's what's happening. Jesus is taking the Old Testament, and he's making it very practical. 
Old Testament was, don't murder. So you can live your whole life hating people. But like, but dude, I've never murdered anybody. But I hate you. But I'm not going to murder you. I'll murder you with my thoughts right now. You're dead. Kung Fu Panda in your face. But I'm not going to kill you. And Jesus is like, and that's not good enough. I want you to turn the other cheek. And when they try to, I want you to, when they ask for your coat or your shirt, I want you to give them your coat. I want you to go above and beyond to make this right. Because the Sermon on the Mount is dealing with simple yet complex problems that you and I are going to face every day. Things like, how do, what, what do we do with anxiety? What do we do with complex people? What do we do with problems? What do we do with unforgiveness? Very simple, and yet Jesus is saying, these simple things, I just want you to live them out and practice them. So if someone slaps you in the face, you've got to practice. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm first going to not respond. A couple months ago, several months ago now, I was playing basketball, and uh, a guy I don't know very well, but a, a, a guy that we play with, um, I, I went for the ball, and I, and I, he was run, he outran me, and so I went for the back, like tip it while he's dribbling, and I hit his elbow, and he stops, he gets the ball, and he chunks it at me, boom, right in the face, yeah, right square, like like nose like this, not really, but it felt like that, and so I chased him down. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't chase him down. <laughs> totally kidding. Didn't do that, and I I literally stood there. I was like, okay. I was at turn the other cheek. I was at the, like, my first response is to not respond with the, this side, the aggression. But to turn and say, I'm not doing this. So he's looking at me, and I go, man, whatever I did, I'm not doing this. So then the Lord starts going, ding, 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 reminding me. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I want you to. Whatever, whatever he asks, I want you to, to give more. So I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to show kindness. Whoa, 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 Lord, listen. He just threw a basketball in my face. Did you see that? If my nose is crooked, what will Heidi think? That was the first thing I thought. What will Heidi think? Will I ever get kissed again? I don't know. She's like, cover your nose. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And so it's like, yeah, show kindness. I'm like, well, to do that, I've got to forgive him, and, and I, I'll forgive him. I, I'm not going to, I'm going to turn the other cheek, but I've got to process this. I've got to take, you know, a day or two, and, and I've got to process this, right? And it's like, no, like right there. Like you've got to forgive. It's not just turn the other cheek. It's not just don't respond. It's like I need to say, hey, no big deal. Because if you do that, you can look like a wuss. I didn't want to look like a wuss. I want to be tough. I want to be like, that's not cool, dude. Like, why would you do that? Like, I know karate, but I'm not going to do karate on you because you are like a little kid, and I'm not. Instead, it was, hey, man, let's not do this. And then be kind. Hey, it happens to all of us. Not a big deal. Let's move on. And then it was... If he has to go a mile, go more. So now every time I see him, 
I'm practicing what I don't want to do, which is, hey, man, how you doing? No, just kidding. I don't do that. I have to practice what Jesus stressed here. Does that make sense? We're practicing the plan. We're practicing the path. Because a lot of us are like, yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll turn the other cheek, but I never want to see you again. I'll turn the other cheek, but when someone asks about you, I'm going to tell them what you did. You know, I'll turn the other cheek, but if you do it again, I've got some hombres. You know what I mean? Like, and yet Jesus has this, like, you got to forgive and you got to be kind. And you, you know what I mean? Like, like now I'm, I'm like high-fiving the guy who threw a ball at this beautiful nose and could have really messed it up. Okay, so that's the plan. So let's go to another one. Matthew chapter 5 and 27. We're in, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is like, this is the stuff I want you to practice. Okay. He said, you have heard it, that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, this just got real. We're going to get real here. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So what is Jesus doing? He's not turning down the dial. He's turning up the dial. Because he's not just wanting you to, well, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. But it's all in your heart. Because if we never get down, if we never dig stuff out, we're never going to get to the rock. If, if it's never something we deal with and we always live with, well, I've never acted on it. I've never acted on it. I've never acted on it. There's going to be a storm one day, a perfect storm. The house will come tumbling down. Jesus is not willing to take that risk. He wants to get to the heart of the matter. This isn't about what you did, didn't do, don't murder, right? Like Old Testament, don't murder. What's better than that? Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Jesus is turning up the dial, okay? It's not just don't commit adultery. It's be absolutely crazy passionate about your wife or about your husband, right? That's, that's what grace does is it teaches us to fulfill the law. Fulfillment of the law is not like I'm tolerating them. It is that I'm dealing with them. I'm going to have the conversation. I'm going to practice out these principles. I'm going to keep forgiving. Jesus in this sermon said, hey, if you've got a problem with someone, it doesn't matter if it's your wife or your spouse, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is. Leave your, leave your gift at the altar. Go make it right and then come back and worship. Because your worship is all messed up. Because your heart's all messed up. You're not offering your best because you've got all this chaos going on. And so he's like, just practice. Like everything Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount is like practical stuff. You have anxiety? You have some mind monsters going on? He, he just says, I just want you to do. I want you to, I want you to think about like how God takes care of the, the sparrow and the lilies. and the. I want you to think about like how God takes care of his children. He has a, the Father's heart for us. Like get your mind on Dad's heart and not on the problem. Because as we focus on the problem, guess what? When you focus on something, it gets bigger, 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 bigger. And you try to explain that to friends. You're like, this is, this is I can't understand. And they're like, I don't get it. It's like, like that. 
but you've been focused on it so long that that's all you can see. These are practices and remedies to live a holistic life spiritually in a broken world. So here's what he says. He says, I want you to do this. If, if you have a problem in this area, it's in your heart. You look on a woman. Here's, the, he says, here's what I want you to do. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Can you imagine that? Like, I've got to get this thing taken care of. I mean, can you, like, imagine, like, what our church would look like? Everyone's got a patch. It's like the pirate church. You know what I mean? And then he says this. He says, he says, verse 30, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. So we've got, like, pirates walking in with limbs missing. I'm overcoming sin in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the point. Like, like, become so odd that nobody, you know what I mean? Like, that's not the point. The point is, he's saying, if you find it in your heart, then first, you've got to take care of the problem. Don't bypass it. If the problem is here, if the problem's in your computer, get rid of the computer. If it's on this route home, take another route. If it's that you, you're doing this alone and no one knows your struggle, you better tell somebody. You better be willing to go to drastic measures to get your heart right. Because that, that heart thing, in the right storm, it'll be a house of cards, a ticking time bomb. It'll all come tumbling down. And again, this is not a, a, a doom and gloom kind of sermon. This is a sermon that says, We've been called to build great lives and legacy and lives that our children and our children's children will be able to, to feast from and to, to be recipients of, right? So, so what I'm saying is, is like we, we get this, we start putting this into practice. It's not easy, but start putting it into practice. Guess what happens? All of a sudden, we're digging, we're digging, and we hit that rock, and we start building our lives. Once we go down and get to the bedrock, then our lives can start being erected in a glorious way that will honor God. Why? Because it will outlast the elements. And we won't just be a statistic. And we won't just be what happened to that person. And we won't just be like, it's too bad. Did you hear? No more. I'm tired of hearing about that. It's not just, well, the house looked good and we had no idea. No, let's pull the dirt back. Let's get the excavator out. And let's pull it out. And let's get to the bedrock so we can build lives that will change the world houses that last a light salt and a city on a hill we're living in a broken world if you're here today and you're broken maybe you're here because you're broken maybe you're here because you've built and it's come down you've built and it's broken down and you've built and the storm came and it and it's like i keep it's like I, god keeps bringing me back to ground level there's a reason because we've been missing something at ground level. Get your life anchored to Christ. And you will build a house that lasts. And you will build a legacy. And you will build something glorious. A life that will honor God. Amen? Would you stand with me?